0: This live stream is brought to you by Still and Evergreen Garden Care. Still is Australia's most trusted brand of garden power tools, backed by 95 years of German engineering excellence. To get your hands on their range, visit your local Still dealer today or visit still.com.au. Evergreen Garden Care and their market-leading brands are some of the best-known and trusted consumer brands within the garden care market. To be inspired and easily create and maintain your garden, head to lovethegarden.com.
1: Good morning, and hello gardeners out there. Welcome to the Garden Guru Live. I'm Joanne Harris, and it's great to be back with you this Monday morning. I'm filling in for Trevor, who's having some well-deserved time with his uh, family today, uh, but he'll be back next week. So um, we've got a fabulous show for you. Um, we'll, of course, we'll be asking lots of, answering lots of questions, and as many as we possibly can. Um, uh, we're also going to have. Um, a, uh, I'm sorry, we, it's time to dream big and give your garden every advantage. So we'll be sharing a special offer to help you achieve uh, your garden dreams. And it's time to give your plants now some extra love before that colder weather sets in. So I'll be showing you how to do that. Um, we'll also, I've got um, a plant of the week. Um, in fact, it's never is a plant of the week. We've got uh, um, hibiscus this week, and I'll be showing you three different types of hibiscus. Um, so yeah, let's uh, get on with it. But make sure that you hit the like button and uh, share the share the uh, share the views. Um, post your questions um, with your chance to to win. Make sure that you let me know what your state and the city is. It makes it much easier for me to answer that question for you. So let's get straight on to some questions. Um, Jackie, and Jackie hasn't let us know where where she's from, so it's unknown, Um, but she's looking for a Bernard Mass rose. Um, This is a rose that's grown in France and she's contacted the grower, but he's unable to ship that to her. Um, Would you know who I could contact here in Australia that would be able to ship one for me? I know it will cost a small fortune, which it will, uh, but I can't find any other flower with the name of Bernard anywhere, and she's trying to get one in um, memorial for her late husband. Well, Jackie, there's a couple of things that I guess I would suggest that you do is um, you could try, I'm not sure what state you're from, so I can't guide you towards one of the rose growers, but I would look at one of the bigger rose growers, uh, maybe even one that grows um, uh, some of the roses that do come out of her. Fr- excuse me, do come out of France. Um, I know if you're in West Australia, you could give uh, Robbie Melville up at Melville Roses a ring. He would certainly have some information for you. Um, Now, the rose growers, of course, they bring in hundreds at a time. So um, whether or not they want to bring in the Bernard Mass one or use it, um, it may not be. So it may be an impossible thing for you to do. Um, but you could also, if you don't know who to call, try ringing your local, um, nursery and garden industry or garden industry of Australia office. Um, they'll, there'll be, there is one in each state and you could ring them and they may be able to put you onto who would know or how you could go about it. Um, I suspect that you probably won't be able to get the rose in, um, unless fortunately someone wants to bring that one in for you. Um, Otherwise, um, you could always look for a plant that maybe the person that found the plant is called Bernard and that's in the name. So I don't know, I'm sorry, that's uh, as much as we can give on that one, but try a rose grower or the nursery industry. Um, okay, so Paula is in Perth in Thornley, that's in South Perth, south of the city at least. If I cut my jacaranda back, will it still flower in September and October or should I wait until it's flowered? You don't have to wait till it's flowered, Paula, but you do need to wait until uh, the beginning of spring. So when the new new growth is coming out, uh, jacarandas flower on new growth, so it's fine to cut them back um, and you'll still get uh, some good growth. But it's better to do it when they're coming into spring, when they're going to grow for you rather than um in winter when things go more dormant, and then the plant has more chance of ending up with some sort of fungal disease from cutting it now. So yeah, wait till till spring um, and early spring. So uh, we're moving on now and we're moving on to Kerry and Kerry's in New South Wales. Um, And she says, good morning. I have a tree fern that's been in my family for approximately 90 years. This year it produced orange seed pods and I don't know what to do with them. Um, Well, actually, Kerry, um, we've got a photo uh, coming up for you too. Um, This is actually uh, not a tree fern. This is a cycad. Um, But how amazing for you to have had it for 90 years. Cycads um, um, are thought to be back from the dinosaur era. So... They and the dinosaurs live together. So they are a very hardy and a a wonderful plant um, to have, especially for 90 years. That's quite amazing. Look, the orange seed pods, um, you can uh, can propagate from those. um, And what I would do with them is take each of the seeds out and put them into a plastic bag with some water and leave them for maybe four or five days this the um, cells that the skin on the outside will uh, soften and it's almost like blanching a tomato you can pull that skin off and then I tend to you want to know whether it's a viable seed or not and by checking checking that is by putting it into a say a bucket or a vessel of water and the uh, seeds that drop Um, and go to the sink to the bottom they'll be the viable ones anything that's that floats don't bother um, trying to propagate them then I would get uh, a low and wide pot so you don't want too much potting mix in it and I would use something like um, a seed raising mix and in the seed raising mix I tend to put a bit more perlite into it to make it more open Um, then push the seed into the soil, but make sure the top of the seed is seen. It likes to be out in the air. Um, It can take between um, six and 12 months for it to develop, uh, but it's well worth a try. And you've got the next generation for the next generation of your house. Um, So maybe uh, your grandchildren will be saying that they've got the original plus something else, plus the new ones. Um, have fun with that it's not edible but it so it's not an edible fruit um, but nor is it poisonous to dogs cats horses so it's a a safe one to have around all right so I hope that helps and uh, that you get some more um, babes out of that one so the next one we're looking at is um, Samantha and Samantha's also in Perth And she said, hello, I love your show and I love gardening. Not the best gardener, but I try. There's lots of us out there like that, uh, Samantha. I have a backyard full of sand and there's lots of us in Perth like that also. Um, I need help. Can you recommend anyone that could could landscape at a reasonable price? Um, I'm a single parent and I would love to have a nice yard. Are there any episodes that I could watch that would give me ideas? And I know it's a big ask but thank you and I appreciate any information. Well, look, Samantha, you know, it's great that you want to get into your garden and um, as a single parent, I'm assuming that um, you really do want reasonable price, meaning that it needs to be on the lower end of the market. So um, one of the things I would suggest, there are lots of um, landscapers, there's lots of designers out there that can help you and you could go to their website, Walder is one of them, or the landscape um, industry of, of uh, WA is another one that you could go to. And you could then uh, choose from those uh, somebody to call. However, you are going to pay more of a professional price for that. So I guess what I would suggest to you um, that maybe go down to one of, your, one of the local garden centres. Certainly, if you're around the Guildford area, we provide this service. And start talking to the the horticulturalists there and ask them about your soil and ask them how to prepare your soil and what you need to do so that if you need to go and get someone, say, off uh, uh, Gumtree or Facebook or something like that and someone to help you in your garden um, that's perhaps not a professional horticulturalist, then at least you're armed with all the information you need. Um, So, yeah, call down to a garden centre and then maybe look on those Uh, Places I know that there's often uh, people out there that are gardeners that would like to help out. And as long as you've got a good understanding of what is required for your soil, then you can trust someone, you can work with them um, and um, cut out some of the costs that it might be if you go to a professional landscaper. Um, Good luck with that and call around. You'll find there is garden centers out there, especially in Perth that I know of, that will give you that help. And just ask for a, a horticulturalist which in the garden centres most of us are. All right, so all the best with that, Samantha. Um, so with Fadia, and we're not sure where Fadia is from, but um, it's probably not too much of a problem to worry about that because she's asking, or is Fadia he perhaps? Uh, could you please tell me what's wrong with my peace lily? So I would think from the picture, that I can see some cell um, cells have broken down on the the um, on the leaves of this. The first thing I wondered was whether you had sprayed it with some horticultural oil to shine up the leaves, because they do look nice and shiny. And um, if you use a really heavy oil, or if you use too much, and I'm not sure spathophyllums particularly like um, horticultural oil either, and it can break down the cells of the plant. Um, or the other thing that could have happened is that you may have had your air conditioner on or heater, um, and it's affected. It's blowing down onto that plant and it's affected it. Um, but uh, I'm I'm perhaps um, leaning towards the oil, um, and yeah, if it is, stop using the oil and. Uh, as a, um, an idea too, instead of using horticultural oil, if you use uh, one part milk and ten parts water, and a soft cloth, and wipe that over the larger leaves of things like your spathiphyllum, you'll clean all the dust off. You'll leave it looking kind of shiny, but you're not um, smothering the cells, and therefore having that cell breakdown that I can see in yours. So that might help, and in future use that method. So Magdalene is uh, from Perth, and she's help. She says, "Why have my ten rose bushes died? Stunted buds are tiny. My chili plants have died too. Was it okay? They were okay when they, we bought them, but the leaves are now curly." Well, this is uh, unfortunately Magdalene. These, um, this I would imagine, is chili thrip and it's affecting um, all the roses in Perth at the moment. Although I did read in an article recently in a um, horticultural magazine that Perth seems to be coping with it better than um, a number of the other states. I'm not sure that many of my customers would say that, uh, given that um, this is one of the biggest things that we're dealing with at the moment um, with people coming into the shop. So it's a it's a problem that's been around for a couple of years in Perth. Uh, in fact, I think maybe three years now, and it took us a year to really work out what it was. Um, but chilli thrip um, comes in um, with the winds. And uh, of course, that's what we've had recently. Uh, you'll find that you get, um, the leaves will curl and ruffle on the edges and uh, go sort of black, quite a dark brown or a black on the edges. The flowers won't develop um, and it's the thrip in the flowers. So it's worth um, treating that for uh, three to four weeks with something like Success um, or even EcoFend. Um, EcoFend and Success both leave less residual in the ground um and you can you can use success and ecofend on vegetables too like on your chilies so it's not going to uh, damage the fruit although the chili thread has already damaged them I'm afraid so once you've done a spray three weeks in a row three to four weeks in a row um, then I put on um, some uh, predator insects that I got from a company on the internet called called Bugs for Bugs. It's a Queensland company and they sent us over. We did the whole of the nursery at the same time um, as we did my garden. And they send over tubes of live bugs and we shook those onto various plants and they then are the natural predators. Now, as I say this, my garden doesn't have any uh, chili thrip this year, but I keep looking for it. And I won't, won't be surprised if I get it again. Uh, But last year I had some really good blooms and I didn't have any problems with it after I did that. So three to four weeks in a row, uh, spray and then get some bugs onto it and hopefully that will help. Um, If you have, uh, oh, a lot of people say to to cut them back, to cut back the the plant. Um, I tend not to because if you do cut the plant back, you've then got new growth and it's the new growth that the, chili thrip likes. So what I tend to do, because often the thrip is in the bud of the rose, um, so I'll take the bud off, just snap it off, and uh, and then hopefully you've got rid of some of those bugs too. So good luck with that, Magdalene. Um, you're not alone, but that doesn't help, does it? I hope uh, my information has helped you this morning. Okay, so we're off to Officer in Victoria, and Jacinda has asked Can you please help me with the best way to get rid of soil weevils, please? They're eating our Fajoa leaves and um, can't seem to get rid of them. They disappear over winter and revisit in summer. They overwinter in the soil and that's why why you don't see them at that time. Um, They're usually the best time to find them is now and I would suggest that you need to get down to your garden centre and uh, get something to get rid of them or grab all the children in the neighbourhood or perhaps you've got grandchildren or any children and get them out there and start picking them off the leaves. You'll see them um, mostly first thing in the morning or last thing in the evening before the sun goes down. Um, They're not pleasant, but um, they won't do too much trouble if you can keep them in hand. There are Um, products that you can spray for and especially perhaps in the wintertime or when they overwinter when they go into the soil is the best time to do that Um, I prefer not to uh, but if you have a really bad infestation go down and see your garden center and they'll give you something that you can use okay so where are we off to now Oh, okay. So Carol and Carol's in Perth. And this was from last week. So I hope you're you're watching again this week, Carol. When can I plant daffodils and a cutting of the frangipani? Okay, well, you plant daffodils now. They're all in the shops. um, And if you've got some from last year and you you took them out of your soil and you've um, kept them in sulphur in a nice warm position, they'll be ready to go into the ground now. Um, So daffodils now. Wait for your tulips. It's the only thing that I wait until the end of June to plant. Um, But otherwise, daffodils, get those in the ground now. Um, And then your frangipani cutting. Well, you can take a frangipani cutting any time of the year, but I find it easier to do it um, in spring through to autumn time. Um, You'll find there that the... uh, And you want to take a soft wood cutting if you take it in the spring uh, springtime, cut it, leave it for a few days um, laying in the sun somewhere so it dries out and then um, you can plant it from there. If you're doing it in the winter time, which is easier because often it's not full of leaves and flowers, you want to go back into the hardwood to cut uh, back into the hardwood. And when I say hardwood, excuse me, the hardwood is where the, the bark has gone grey. So that is an indication Uh, They're pretty easy to do um, and you can propagate frangipanies relatively easily, so it'll be good fun. Now, talking about bulbs, it's that time of the year when you do get your spring flowering bulbs in, um, and there's a few things um, that we have here to make maybe the job easier. Um, Our friends at Garden Express um, are the experts in uh, spring flowering bulbs and have the perfect kit for you to drink. Gosh, I'm doing well today. I'm sorry. A perfect kit for you to create your dream garden. All right. Um, we actually buy our bulbs for the nursery off um, Garden Express. Um, I find they're one of the best qualities uh, around and I really like all their products. They tend to choose a quality product so you can feel safe in buying them. And this week um, there's a, a, a kit that you can save um, more, than, more than 40% on this collection of, of hard goods that are perfectly complement the garden with bulbs. So in that kit, you've got a kneeling cushion or I call them kneeling pad, kneeling cushion, kneeling pad. They're fantastic to have. Um, I find I can't kneel on my knees as well now. So um, I like using a kneeling cushion. I've in fact got two. So I use one outside in my garden all the time when I'm uh, weeding, et cetera much better than bending over and I have one for inside so um, I often talk about my grandchildren um, but I use it when I'm bathing them so I kneel on it inside so maybe one or two but it's it's a great thing to have for the garden A bulb planter is in this kit also, Um, and they're fantastic, especially if you're in heavier soil. It's much easier. I don't know if you've seen them, but they're like a cylindrical stainless steel with a handle on it that you press, and it opens up, you put it into the soil, you close it, and it holds the soil as you lift it out, and you can pop your bulb in. Let's not forget that you want to go down twice the depth or twice the width of that bulb. We used to say once... But now because of the heat, we're saying, especially in Perth, go down lower. Um, so, yeah, a, a plant, um, a bulb planter is a fabulous thing to have. Um, it's also then got um, a pack of three bulbs, uh, bulb baskets at least, so you're going to get some bulbs in this also. And um, I know that from talking with the guys at garden express a couple of weeks ago they'll they choose bulbs that are, are generally good for most of the, the most of australia so they're not going to be ones that just has many you use so you can feel really confident in buying this um, they've got the soft garden ties which are always fabulous to have and it's a it's a must in your garden pack um, then there's also these really good little planters uh stake sorry plant markers and they're plastic Uh, but they're usable over and over and over again. Um, You can write on them with a pen and then take it off. I actually use like a fly spray and it comes off really easily or um, nail polish remover if you have one, Uh, that'll take the marker off too. So you can reuse them really easily and they have a long thin shaft on them. So you're not putting something big into your soil and damaging your roots. It's a nice, easy way to do it. then they've got some uh, long-lasting bulb food in there too. It's 850 grams. It's a liquid fertilizer, and we all know that you want to plant, um, you want to fertilise your bulbs when they're dying, so you can fertilise them as they're growing, but you you must fertilise them as they're dying because that's when the bulb, as they as they flower, they shrink, and then as they die you feed them and they feed up the bulb and it produces another bulb with it and hopefully it multiplies. So that's why it's most important. And then you let those bulbs, let the leaves die completely down um, before you remove them from the soil or before you cut off the uh, the leaves if you're going to leave them in your soil. So um, the next thing they've got in that uh, pack is also, uh, peat pots. If you use peat pots to propagate, there's a pack of 30. Um, and last but not least, you've got yourself a free pair of gardening gloves. I don't know about you, but I go through a lot of those during the year, so uh, it's well worth it. Look, this um, kit is normally around about $99, I think it is, um, or just over $99. And the um, They're now selling this to you for $55 and I think 50 cents. Um, But it's a really good buy. Um, As I said before, I buy off um, Garden Express for our garden centre because they have such good quality on everything they do. So you can feel really comfortable in uh, purchasing this, uh, this bargain. So thanks to the Garden Express guys. Now let's get back to some uh, questions and remember to, please remember to include your state and uh, don't forget to hit the like button. So we're on to Michael and Michael is in Kilmore in Victoria and he's also from last week's show. And he's got two passion fruit trees. When should I feed it and cut it back? Well feeding is now. So you want to feed it now before it goes dormant in the winter time. And then again in spring, as it's coming out of dormancy, is a good idea to give it another feed. Um, Passion fruit, you want to cut these back. You don't have to cut a passion fruit back unless it's to control the growth. Okay, you don't need to do it for it to re um, fruit. It'll continue to fruit even if you don't cut it back. Um, But it's a good idea to cut it back in the springtime. Avoid the main stem, you only want to cut The tendrils. You don't want to cut the main stem ever. Um, And yep, that's all you need to do. So trim it back. If you're doing it for um, the aesthetics of it, then yep, springtime is your best time to do it. And hopefully you'll get loads and loads of passion fruit. Um, So Mitzi in Shoal Bay, New South Wales. This one's also from last week's show what was trevor doing i bet he was talking really hard and fast and getting through all of them and i know that we're getting so many questions so if we don't get to your question today i'm very sorry hold on to it and we'll bring it up again uh, for next week
0: garden express are australia's leading mail-order gardening service offering a wide range of quality garden products each week on the garden gurus live the team at garden express will share a weekly offer
1: so, make sure after today's show you jump online and visit their website. Um, okay, so Mitzi, sorry Mitzi uh, from Shoal Bay, uh, loves some ideas for soft, small plants to put next to a driveway that won't get too busy. So, I'm assuming that your, your driveway is not too busy, or are you meaning that you don't want plants that get too busy, too fussy, too, too much maintenance, etc.? Um, it, there's all sorts of things that we could uh, suggest to you, Mitzi. Um, I know that there's, if you're looking for something like a ground cover, um, I love using, it's a plant called daimondia. Um, you can virtually, you know how sometimes you see old-fashioned driveways with the, the middle has is uh, still soil? Um, I've often used daimondia down that way, or I use daimondia even on verges where you've got lots of, tr- um, say, teenage kids in the family. And when I'm designing a garden, you're, you you know, you've got teenage kids. So therefore Friday night, you've probably got three or four cars parked on your verge. Um, Dimondia is a plant that will take it. So it's a very tough plant. It's very pretty. It's a mid green with a gray underneath the leaf and a lovely yellow uh, daisy. So that would make it, especially if people step out of their car and tend to step onto the garden bed. Um, then something like Domondia is really good. Um, You know, using something like a shrub, you could use uh, limonium, um, which is a a status. It's extremely easy to grow flowers for so much of the year. So it would always be very pretty. Um, Lots of small grevilleas. um, And there's a lot of grevilleas out there now that aren't as prickly as what we think of grevilleas as being. So you could use a lot of grevilleas too. Um, look, there's so much that we could we could talk about that you could use. Um, get down to your garden centre again and um, have a chat with some of the horticulturists there, um, and I know they'll be able to help you with that. So and you'll have a beautiful driveway that doesn't get too busy. <laughs> All right, Leonie um, and Leonie is in Adelaide. Um, I've recently put in good, a new good potting mix into my half hanging basket on my fence. I bought some pansies and when planting them, I also mixed in some extra water-saving crystals. However, the water still runs out the bottom and I'm watering every day as they're dry. Uh, there also seems to be aphids and some stems in the last few days. Please help. Okay. So when a plant is struggling, that's when um, when uh, bugs and aphids and things tend to, it's a little bit like us. When we're low ebbed we end up getting everybody's flu. Uh, same with plants, so it may be that we start looking at how to make your plants healthier, and you'll have less of the bugs around. Also, um, so when you say you used a good potting mix, I'm assuming that that's a potting mix with some uh, wetting agent in it. Um, if not, I think wetting agent is a really good place to start, and you might want to put some in to help the plant, the the soil hold the moisture. You're always going to have water running out the bottom, because you want water that holds moisture but is well drained, so so gets rid of the extra water. So that's not so much of a problem as long as the the plants um, are kept, the mo- the moisture is kept in amongst the plants. When you put a, a half basket on a, a wall, on a um, you know a fence or a wall, they're not deep. They're not uh, the depth of them. There's not a lot of um, soil in there to keep moist. And it can be if it's on a hot wall or in a position where it's full sun, it's a little bit like putting a mini mine of um, uh, a, you, know, you, you haven't got enough um, soil in there. Okay, so uh, you need to keep the wetting agent in it. I'm not convinced by water crystals because they can dry out um, and then you have to try and re-wet them. And re-wetting soil can often be hard. So I believe that wetting agent is a better way to go with it. As far as your aphids go, get some something like Success um, or EcoFend Um, and uh, that should get rid of the aphids for you. Or get out there and squash the stems with your finger and get rid of them that way. But plant bugs will come back to your garden um, naturally anyway, and certain plants will be affected if they're not healthy. So let's get it healthy. Okay, Uh, Sophie, and Sophie, we're not sure where you're from either, um, however, Sophie is looking at spider mite solutions, and do pest control bugs work? They absolutely do. Um, they they really do work well. And if you, the one the company that I've been using is bugsforbugs.com.au, they're a Queenslands Queensland based um, company, uh, but they let the, their product comes very quickly um, in an express bag or, um, perhaps even, um, by plane, but it's, they come quickly. So the, the bugs are in good condition. I've never had any problems with the bugs coming and they haven't been alive and doing their job. So yeah, you can try that. There are a couple of good, um, miticides out there too. I know that, um, um, have a miticide that is not as dangerous as what a lot of them have been. So, yeah, you can certainly use that. Okay, so Glenn, and Glenn is from the Gold Coast, and Glenn's asking, we have just found that we have a guava tree. Can you please tell me how to look after it? Does it need any special requirements? Should we pick the fruit while they are slightly green so the birds don't get it, or does it need to be ripened on the trees? Many thanks for your help. Okay, I think it can be ripened on the tree. Um, But I also think you can um, take them off almost ripe and put them um, in a paper bag. And I think it's exactly the same as what you do with an avocado. And you can put a banana in that plastic bag, in the paper bag at least, and that will help um, them uh, ripen. Um, How to look after it? You need to feed that with a good mineral fertiliser, some good mulch. So feed around the drip line. Um, Make sure that just keep it clean and clear of bugs Um, and I don't think it gets attacked by a lot of anything necessarily. Perhaps some scale is what you'd need to look for Uh, but otherwise they're relatively easy to look after Um, and they're a really pretty shrub I think um, especially when they're fruiting. Um, So uh, yeah easy to look after and um, thanks for your question Glenn. Tyson from Baronia, Victoria. Hey, Tyson, how are you this week? Um, all right, so uh, he has a question. When is it a good time for me to plant corn? Um, corn is not now, Tyson. Uh, corn you want to plant in springtime or just early spring is when you'd plant corn seeds. Um, tomatoes, you can plant those now. Uh, but I would, if you're in Baronia, I think you'd probably get a frost. So I would be keeping those covered and perhaps, um, we don't deal with frost here, but I think um, frost, um, you probably best say late winter to put your uh, tomato seedlings in and maybe put them into a, um, a seedling tray and um, germinate them that way. Okay. Uh, oh I'm sorry you were asking about seedlings not seed so seedlings for both of those are spring so easy easy answer sorry uh, Tyson and number two question is can I please put strawberry seeds in my garden bed can you please give me some tips and advice thank you Joanne okay so uh, yes you can put seeds in your garden uh, but I tend to with strawberries put them into hanging baskets so I'll put them into a seed raising mix in a seed tray and then once they're past the first immature leaves um, I'll then transfer them into baskets and I use hanging baskets just because it's easier to grow them in you find you get less pests and diseases Um, you've always got uh, lots of like especially slaters and things they'll come in um, beetles all sorts of things will eat the actual strawberry so I find it easier. And referring back to my grandchildren, when they come around and there's strawberries in my pots, I sometimes lift them higher so they can't get them. So it saves them from bugs and from children. Um, But yes, you can certainly uh, grow those in your garden bed. Uh, Just keep the uh, fruit up off the soil and then you'll get less, less spoiling, Tyson. Uh, Nice to hear from you again this week, Tyson. It's great to know that you're um, constantly watching us and listening and obviously we're giving you lots of help because you keep coming back. Anyway, Tyson, have a great week. Um, So we move on to Wagga Wagga in um, uh, New South Wales and this is Ben and uh, he's come in through via our YouTube and he has a pitosporin being attacked by scale. He's applied eco-oil, which has killed the majority. How do I remove these so that they can start their recovery? Um, To remove them is just a a painful, long session of scraping them off with your fingers, rub your hands up the stem and pull them off. I actually don't bother. I just make sure. And I usually like to um, use the eco oil a couple of times. Um, The eco oil that you can use now too, this one out, that's called eco oil. It's um, it's a pest oil with it's hippo enhanced. Now I'm not sure what that acronym means, but what it, or what it actually is, but it what it essentially means is that the hippo enhancement in the product um, attracts all the good insects. So the predator insects will come in and that's always a good one to go for. I like it for that reason so um, if you haven't used that one maybe when you've used up what you've got have a look at the one that's got hippo advanced Um, and yeah just keep keep on top of the scale if you squeeze them uh, you'll know they're dead because they'll be empty right if they ooze out um usually bright orange um, then you know you've still got some alive and you need to go back and give it another uh, another dose of the eco oil all right, so I hope that helps, Ben. Um, okay, so Linda, we have a plant. Um, Linda, we're not sure where you're from either. So, but is it okay to use both of these on my indoor plants, especially my two indoor palms? I see one is a fertilizer and one is a feed. Okay, so one is a fertilizer. Um, they're actually both essentially fertilizers. So you, your Osmocote pour and feed is, um, is excellent because, um, one, because it's an Osmocote product and they do develop really good products, but two, it's a really easy one to use. You're not having to mix or anything like that. So uh, yes, that's a good fertilizer. I know it calls, it's called a feed, but I think that's just a marketing term. Um, it's still a fertilizer. Then you've got um, Power Feed, which is also a good product pots and planters so that's like a little they're little perils um that uh it's like a slow release but this is actually a controlled release and a controlled release fertilizer is a very good fertilizer to have because it controls the amount of nutrients that it releases so it's a very slow controlled release and it means that your plants although you're giving them an osmocote feed pour and feed and that's their meal, so to speak, the perils are the vitamins that keep you going on a day-to-day basis. So your plants, um, and you can use them on any of your indoor plants, Um, they would work really well. So we've uh, gone from Linda. Uh, So, okay, so now it's time to give you, um, to look at your plants. So we've talked about fertilizer with Linda okay and um, the fertilizer that I'd like to talk about that is a really this is the proper this is the time we need to fertilize okay when the the mornings are much cooler even though you've got a bit of warmth in the daytime it's you need to start fertilizing your garden now Um, you need to look after your garden with all sorts of things like you want to mulch it you want to make sure that you've um, got rid of all the weeds so that the plants can really thrive while the soil is still moist. Um, and it's really important to have some good fertilizer. So we're looking at an Osmocote product again, so not the liquid one that we talked about with Linda, but this is Scott's Osmocote Plus Organics All-Purpose, okay, Now, this is a low um, uh, phosphorus-sensitive fertiliser, so you can use it on your natives, your proteas, banksias, all those sort of things also, okay? It's great if you're living in um, an area where you've got heavier soil because there's actually some gypsum in this one. Um, So that'll help provide the plants um, with some calcium that they need, but it also... Um, it'll help break down the, the, the gypsum and keep the the soil open and allow the nutrients and the water to follow down okay and which of course means then that your roots can become larger and bigger and that's what we want to do at this time of the year is you want to feed your plants but not just to make them look green or to make them look bigger you want to make sure that the root system is growing really well so that by winter time when it goes dormant it's got a really good root system to then head into spring and the heat of summer. So it's important to feed now. Um, the Scotts Osmocote also has um, some fish extract in it and some seaweed, which we know are both um, soil and plant conditioners. So again, you're, you're looking after the top and the bottom. You're looking after the, holistically, you're looking after your plant. Um, the, the, the the technology that Scots use for their prills, that's the little tiny balls that they are, it, it really does ensure that there's an even and controlled nutrient release with no wastage. Um, and and I love the fact that um, Scots derive all their organics from renewable resources, which is, is good, I like it. So suitable for, it's suitable for almost everything, trees, shrubs. Um, flowering plants, leafy plants, climbers, vegetables, all your potted plants you can use it in. Um, They also have, it's interesting, they have a, um, uh, what's it called? It's a low odor, odor formulation. And it means that although it's got organics in it, as it's breaking down, it's got a much lower smell about it. So if you're not, I'm fine with the smell of manure. I love it, in fact. But um, if you're not liking it or if it's in a garden next to a patio or somewhere where you're sitting, something like this is really worth using because that low formula, it reduces the smell. Okay. so the only thing that really you shouldn't be putting this fertilizer on um, is into hydroponic systems, if that's what you use, and also using it on your lawns. You don't want to put something organic on your lawns. Have a look at one of the um, Scotts lawn fertilisers, much better idea than using this. So let's remember that this is the time when you want to look after your soil, look after your plants, get them ready for winter and then spring and summer. The work that you do now will pay off in um, summer especially you'll find your plants will be a lot healthier and we all know and I keep saying this but the more you feed your plants on the regular basis um, and you use a good quality fertilizer the less pests and diseases you'll have and the less chemicals we'll be using to get rid of those pests and diseases and that's a plus in my mind. This show is brought to you by The Garden Gurus and
0: Evergreen Garden Care. Evergreen Garden Care and their market-leading brands are some of the most trusted consumer brands within the garden care market. They produce high-quality garden care products designed to help people create their own green oasis. Whether it's a garden, a balcony, or potted indoor plants, they want to inspire anyone, anywhere, to be able to easily create and maintain their own garden. To find out more about Evergreen Garden Care, head to www.lovethegarden.com.
1: Okay, so we're on to plant of the week. And as I said, I can never make it a plant of the week, but I've got one species with lots of varieties. Okay, so um, I guess in the last few months, um, and if you're up north um, and in Queensland, you've probably seen them almost all year round. But I know here in Perth, by December, January, we start seeing all the hibiscus um, in the shops and I love it because they're just full of these amazing flowers and they flower and flower and flower, you know, um, hibiscus will flower from mid to late spring in Perth all the way through to the end of um, April, May. Um, so what I decided was we we're, most of us are used to seeing the lovely hi, um, Hawaiian hibiscus, the, the full, very fluffy flowered ones the big double ones or the single beautiful trumpet like ones um, and they come in many different colors so what i've done today is i've chosen a two or three um, hibiscus that i thought you may not have heard of this one is one of my favorite uh, it's got a slightly bigger leaf these are small leaves it's in a small pot it's only in a 150 mil pot so the leaves are not as big as what they normally be they can get much bigger at least a hand size It's called, um, and you'll often see it, um, I believe, wrongly labelled. It's called a Rose of Sharon. But, in fact, I know it uh, by Hibiscus mutabilis. Um, Rose of Sharon, I believe, is the uh, Hibiscus syriacus, which is the deciduous form. So um, this one, you'll notice that the leaves are slightly fluffy underneath, slightly furry. Um, and I just love this. It's a it's a shrub that grows to only three metres. Uh, you can train it up to be a, a tree, or you can leave it as a shrub that's multi stemmed. Um, it's semi deciduous. I know that mine will lose a few leaves in winter time, but because it's warmer here in Perth, it tends to um, maintain some leaves. Just gets a little bit loose on its leaves and and a little bit more open. Uh, it otherwise in a cold area. Um, I'm not sure that you're going to grow these well, especially down in Tasmania or even some parts of Victoria um, and South Australia, but they do grow well in most other parts of Australia. Okay, the thing I love about this one the most is that it has a big double flower and it's it's got uh, ruffled edges, so it's a very pretty-looking flower, almost like a tutu, a ballet tutu upside down. Um, but they start out white. And then um, over the next 24 to 36 hours, they'll go a pale pink. And then eventually over the next few hours, they go a dark pink. So you can have all three of those colours or tones on the one plant. So that's an interesting one to look out for. Um, Hibiscus mutabilis or um, perhaps ask for the rose of Sharon and it'll come to you that way. Um, Another one that I find, this is a hibiscus. Now, most of us know hibiscus as being two to three metres tall. This guy is hibiscus jazzy. And I don't know if you can see the colour of the flowers on here. This is a little single flower and it's the most beautiful orange. Um, It's really clear. It's a crisp colour. And this one will flower earlier than the metabolist. The metabolist flowers later in um in or in spring and then right on it's the last one to finish flowering whereas this one here will start earlier but this is a dwarf one and it only grows to one and a half meters so you can grow it in a pot which is fantastic for those of you maybe on a balcony or even going back to the the woman that was wanting a a really nice not fussy plant for her driveway this would work really well. It's a small plant, you can keep it small, but it will produce flowers over and over and over for you. So that's the dwarf form and it's called jazzy, hibiscus jazzy. So the last one I wanted to bring in of the hibiscus um, is this one. And this one is called Snow Queen for obvious reasons. It's got this really beautiful foliage. Um, You know, a lot of people say, no, I don't like uh, variegated foliage, but this one is really beautiful. It's crisp, it's clean, it's a white white variegation. And as the days get cooler, I don't know if you can see, but the ends of the the leaves end up with a, a pink tinge right on the very end on the serrated part of the leaf. It has a... Um, a beautiful red flower. Again, I'll try and see if I can get that to you to see it. It's a single flower. It has recurved petals, so they fold backwards, and it has a very long stamen. Um, really beautiful. If you Google this plant, Rose, uh, Snow Queen, and then go on to images, you'll find some fabulous um, examples of how to use it as a hedge. So, Um, it hedges up really nicely. And like any um, hibiscus, you can whack at them. You just cut them back. You don't have to be particular about how you prune a hibiscus. Um, So that's the hibiscus Snow Queen. Um, And just something a little bit different, I tend to grow this one in morning sun in Perth. So if you're in a very hot area where you do have hot, dry winds, um, variegated leaves are generally a little bit more tender than the others So um, I have grown this one in in, uh, morning sun rather than in afternoon sun or all day sun. So the plant of the week this week is hibiscus and there are many different types of hibiscus. Don't just think of what you've seen normally. So get down to your garden centre and see if you can't buy some of those. Okay. well, the garden gurus have been... um, Um, we're celebrating the 20th anniversary this year. So I hope you've been enjoying that. Um, Here's a sneak peek of what's to come on episode eight.
0: From April onwards is the perfect time to be planting your brassicas into the garden. And if you're hoping to grow them from seed, they should have been done about eight to 10 weeks ago. So it's a little bit too late, but starting from a seedling stage is quite easy. You can see the caterpillar damage on the kale here. it really is shocking stuff. Now Earthcare White Oil Insect Spray is low toxic, very reliable and safe to use on all your plants, including edibles, because it uses food grade paraffin oil. This is a specialist in the world of arid plants and exotic species called Karnat Nursery. It's a destination for those looking for these architectural and highly collectible plants. Like so many specialist garden centres, they have a distinctive focus here on these plants that have evolved over millions of years to survive in the harshest of conditions.
1: Okay. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. And, and don't forget, um, tune in on Saturday at uh, 4.30. it be well worth it. Um, okay, so we're back to some questions here. Don't forget to hit that like button for us, will you? Um, now, we're going off to Ringwood, Ringwood, Um, North. uh, And Jennifer has asked, she'd like to know the steps to make concrete hard soil into good garden loam, please. Patience. Uh, A little bit of gypsum is also worth it. So gypsum is a product that breaks down clay. And I imagine that when you say hard soil, you've got a fair amount of clay in there. So gypsum will um, open the particles of soil and allow the nutrients and the water and the roots to follow down and you'll get much better, deeper roots. Um, The other thing is to add um, organic matter. So uh, you can add some manures. Don't add too much manure if you're living close to a river, Um, but get a good compost And mix that in and some good mulch even something like a a lupin mulch or a pea hay straw something like that and it'll work its way into the soil it is about patience though Uh, you're not going to have it happen really easily be careful if you're starting to plant into it now jennifer um, because when you cut when you make a hole into a heavy soil like that, you almost end up making yourself a bowl that then collects the water. So the water um, through the wintertime and as you water it uh, with your reticulation will um, fill up the bowl and then, of course, the, the the roots can often be sitting in water. So if you are tempted to start planting into it now, make sure that you put a good few handfuls of gypsum into your soil that will at least open up the bottom of that hole and allow some sort of drainage. Um, yep. Yeah, so I think that and some organic matter is probably the best thing you can do for your garden. Um, Okay, so then Judy is in Wayala in South Australia and she has a tree dahlia. And how do I propagate it, please? I love tree dahlias. Aren't they beautiful? Um, The way I do it is um, I'll cut off some of the stems, some of the longer ones that are um, too tall, getting up in there where the wind is going to damage the flowers. So I'll uh, cut off part of the stem, making sure there's some nodes along it. And then I just lay it down on the soil You can cover it up but keep part of it, the the top part of that, open to the the air and then you'll find that it'll take roots. I've then, um, where I've got really good root system coming two or three, I've been able to then cut and I cut um, in between the two lots of roots and then plant them out from there. So that's how I do it. Um, It's quite easy and you'll have wonderful, you'll have so many more dahlias in your garden. Okay. So good luck with that, Judy. Margaret, Margaret is, we're not sure. Oh, Margaret's from WA. Hi, Joanne. My peony rose didn't flower this year or my crepe myrtles. Would it be the stupid season we have had this year or do I need to feed it something? Look, peonies um, are not something that we sell in WA very easily, uh, very often. Um, I actually haven't sold them for probably uh, 25 years. Um, I did notice that uh, one of the hardware stores was selling them last year, but I actually don't believe they grow particularly well here unless you're living up in the hills or somewhere where you uh, get a frost, uh, where it's cooler, where it can be um, uh, kept away from the hot winds also. Um, And, yes, I guess to, to get it to flower, though, you will need to feed it. Um, and in our soils here in WA, there are no minerals in our soil, or very little. Um, the minerals that plants require, anyway, we've got some major minerals um, like the iron, etc. But even those we're a bit lackluster on. But certainly the minor elements we don't have, and if we don't have the minor elements, then the major element, the plants can't take up the major elements, so therefore they weaken. So you want to have a really good um, fertilizer, a good mineral fertilizer for that. Um, You know, following up from that, you could use the Osmocote organic that we've talked about today, but I still believe that you need to have a look at um, something like, um, I actually love GrowSafe. It's the Sabrina Hahn one. I love that. I think it's a great fertiliser that you can use to really boost your plants on. Um, And I'm not sure, my crepe myrtle um, at home did our flower and I know that the ones we had in the nursery flowered and I would think that it's probably because you didn't feed them well enough um, that it's become a bit shy this year uh, but crepe myrtles will bounce back they're a very forgiving plant so just make sure that you give it some fertilizer um, now and then again in spring when it's coming out of dormancy and that should help a lot um, Otherwise, I can't think of anything. It has been a crazy season though, hasn't it? Um, I think everyone around Australia has had crazy seasons in their own right. So good luck to all of us gardeners. All right, so we're going off down to Mandurah. Mandurah is just south of Perth on the coast and it's Chris and he's asking how to get rid of nematodes. Oh, what a shame, Chris. Um, nematodes, um, uh, generally they like um, a sandy soil. And I remember many years ago being told that we're seen by other horticulturalists overseas and in the eastern states as Perth as being nematode city. And I think that would be because of our silica sand, That and you're certainly on sand in um, Mandurah. So getting rid of nematodes, um, we used to have a, nema, a product called Nemecure. Um, but it really uh, was a very carcinogenic product and it's been taken off the market. And I honestly don't know of a product uh, now that will work on nematodes. So what you need to do is two or three things. You need to make sure that your soil, the organic matter in your soil is in a high, con- higher content than what you've got. So uh, using a good organic compost, um, and maybe putting even some cow manure, sheep manure on your soil. Just be careful, though, with manures that you don't use too much, especially you and manager, If you're by the estuary, you don't want to use too much manure because it does um, go into the groundwater and then it ends up in the river and that's when we get algae bloom. So use it sparingly, but use it where you need it, around your plants. Um, and then um, I'm told, too, that if you use... Um, If you plant out uh, marigolds, so the smaller marigolds, plant them out, let them come to flower and apparently the nematodes are attracted to their root system and you can then lift those out and lift the nematodes out also. Um, But at the same time, you then want to treat your soil. So there's no one easy way to do it. You're going to have to do two or three things. I've not tried this, but I've also been told that ten parts uh, brown sugar, or maybe even molasses, and one part water, and put that in, and that uh, will encapsulate the, the nematodes. Also, not sure because I haven't done it, but I have heard that. So good luck with it. But just remember, the the main thing is to keep the organic matter up in your soil. So thank you. Um, okay, we're still in WA and we're at Gosnell's. So Fiona has asked, I was wondering if I could please advise which soil is best for raised garden beds intended for planting veggies in. Um, look, I um, I would use um, a mix of maybe some um, good potting mix down near the bottom if they're a, a good size, depending on the size. If you've got those ones that are almost a metre high, um, I've actually done layers of... Um, Uh, pea straw with compost and pea straw, compost, pea straw, compost. You will find that after the first season it will drop considerably, so you don't want to put something in those garden beds that um, take a long time, like maybe beetroot, that takes a long time to produce because your beetroot will be down near the bottom and you won't be able to replenish your soil in those. Otherwise, um, I've... um, Use. I actually go to a company called the Green Life Soil Company and I believe they're one of the best soil companies in Perth and they have a fantastic vegetable um, mix that you can use. They will deliver to you. Um, if you're a long way away. But give Linda or Paul or the guys out at Green Life Soil Company, give them a call and they'll talk soil with you and they'll work out what you need and can certainly get that delivered or you can pick it up. They've even got trailers that you can uh, borrow and use to take your your soil home. So that's where I would head, given that you're in WA. If you're um, in other parts of Australia, um, look out for a really good soil producer. Um, talk to people about it, about who is good around. Talk to your, your garden centre that you trust um, and they'll be able to give you some good ideas about uh, where to go, who's a good supplier of those sort of things. It can get expensive using bags just from the garden centre. So we tend to send send people to the soil um, soil suppliers uh, rather than try and fill it up with bags of soil from us. Um, we can do the refilling. Okay. So I hope that's helped you, um, Fiona. Then we're off to Tamworth in New South Wales. And Andrew has said, uh, thank you for being there. My Robin Gordons have quite yellowish leaves and are not responding, responding to iron chalate. They flower well. Is there anything I can do from them looking sickly leaves? Many thanks in advance. So yellow leaves can be a couple of different things. Yellow leaves can be that they are underfed. They can be that they're they're burnt from the sun, that maybe there's not enough mulch on the soil or it's, you know, you've had lots of hot wind and burning. Um, but more often than not, it will be because of fertiliser. Now, um, you don't need to overfeed your grevilleas or any of your native plants. But what we find is quite often we move into a house um, and that, or a house when it's built has the topsoil taken away, all the good stuff has taken away, and we're left with sand um, and um, depleted sand. So we do need to um, add things into our soil, even for our native plants, or you find this sort of thing can happen. By using iron chalates, which is, t- uh, to me, it's not the good meal. It's the, um, if you've got a cold, you take some vitamin C or some olive um, oil extract, this is the same sort of thing. So it's a short term um, result. It's a short term uh, solution for your plants. You're better again to go back to something like um, an, um, a good um, mineral fertilizer that has a balance of of minerals in it um, so that it gives it not just um, the iron chelate, but it, it gives it magnesium and all and boron, etc. All the things that it requires. Um, to have. It's kind of like honey sandwiches every day for us is not good. You've got to have a balanced diet and so do plants. Okay. So I would suggest that you need to do that. I wouldn't um, maybe give it a little tip prune, uh, but if they're flowering well, they're also putting a lot of energy into their flowers and not into their foliage. So they do need assistance. Um, Okay. So it appears that we're almost at the end Um, Make sure you hit the like button for us, will you? Um, We're very sorry if we didn't get onto your questions today. Um, They've just been flying at us um, and there's so many coming through, which is really great. And thank you, everybody, for for bothering to put them in. Hold on to those questions, put them up again next week, and we'll uh, make sure that we endeavour to answer everything we can. We really appreciate all the engagement that we're having. Um, Robin, our wonderful producer, she'll send send out a message to all the seed winners after today's show. Um, This weekend is Easter long weekend, time to give a bowl, forget the chocolate, give a bowl for Easter present. Um, Trevor will be back next Wednesday. So some of the states around Australia have a holiday, public holiday on Tuesday also. Um, So therefore, Trevor has decided that we'll come back on Wednesday. So tune in on Wednesday for the Garden Gurus Live at 12pm, Australian Eastern Daylight Time and 10pm for the WA viewers. Uh, Don't forget to get your video and picture submissions in via Facebook by Wednesday. Uh, Remember to state your name state, the state you're living in and the suburb, it really does help us to be able to direct the answer to you in particular. Uh, remember, you can always jump on our website and catch up with previous stories from The Garden Gurus at thegardengurus.tv um, or our YouTube channel, channel which is also thegardengurus.tv. at dot, dot TV. You can listen back to today's live stream and catch up on previous episodes on Spotify, Apple uh, podcast or audible and don't forget to tune in this um this into channel nine this saturday at four thirty, and you'll catch episode eight of the garden gurus autumn 2022 have a wonderful week i look forward to seeing you again soon in the meantime you'll have trevor next week so happy gardening everyone have a great day
0: The Garden Gurus is back with a brand new season this weekend. Make sure to check out your local TV guide for your times.